Welcome to Fearful, the podcast that takes you on a thrilling journey through the world of mysteries, paranormal phenomena, and all things terrifying. We will explore eerie tales of haunted places, unsolved crime, inexplicable events, and supernatural encounters. So embrace the fear and unravel the mysteries that lie beyond. My name is Jacko, and this is Fearful. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, to get 20, 20, 20, to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Love knows no bounds. The bond between a mother and child is often the pinnacle of love when in conversation. It's natural, and often an instant bond. However, that is of course a sensationalized perception. The world is not without boundaries and exceptions to every rule. There are times love is not a piece of a paternal puzzle. So what happens when left in a situation where love should exist, but it simply does not? Well, the simple answer is work. You need to work for your love. You need to build a relationship. You need to be there for each other. Just because love is natural, as natural to some as breathing, does not mean it's easy. Take, for example, when you are drowning, is it still very easy to breathe? No, of course not. You must first swim to the surface in order to take a breath. Then, you must continue to tread water in order to continue to breathe. So, this begs the question, how far will some go? in the name of working towards love. In the small town of Lincoln, North Carolina, a life began on a chilly November day in 1989. Candace Newmaker came into the world, unknowingly embarking on a tumultuous journey. Her entrance was met with both joy and sorrow, as her teenage mother, Angela, welcomed her arrival while her father, Todd Elmore, unfortunately, carried the burden of an abusive nature. 
from an early age. Candice, along with her younger brother Michael and sister Chelsea, faced a heartbreaking reality. Neglect permeated their home, leading to their removal and eventual separation by the intervention of social services. By the age of five, their parents' rights were terminated, severing any hope of a loving and stable family environment. Amidst the chaos and uncertainty, hope emerged for Candice two years later. In the name of Jean Elizabeth Newmaker. Jean was a single woman working as a pediatric nurse practitioner in Durham, North Carolina. She stepped forward and provided Candace with a new chance at life and adopted her, welcoming her into her home. However, the path to healing and happiness was not going to come easy for Candace. Soon after adoption, Jean noticed troubling signs in her behavior and her attitude, most likely attributed to her abuse in her younger years. Concerned for Candace, Jean sought professional help and began taking her to a psychiatrist. With each visit, Jean poured out her worries and her concerns. In an effort to address Candace's challenges, medications were prescribed. But instead of improvements, Jean reported that Candace's behavior only worsened over the following years. Disturbing incidents unfolded during this time, with claims that Candace engaged in dangerous activities such as playing with matches and even taking the life of an innocent goldfish. It would be the spring of April in 2000 that Candace and her adopted mother Jean would make their way to Evergreen, Colorado. Their purpose was to partake in a supposedly life-changing two-week intensive therapy session with a woman named Connell Watkins. Despite lacking the necessary professional credentials, Connell Watkins came highly recommended by their psychiatrist, William Gobble. In pursuit of healing and growth, they invested the total sum of $7,000 into this program. As the program went on into the second week, the intensive sessions unfolded and an unspeakable horror would take place during what is known as a quote, rebirthing session. The therapy session was overseen by Watkins, accompanied by another by the name of Julie Ponder, both of which were, of course, unlicensed. Joining them were Candace's purported, quote, therapeutic foster parents, Britta St. Clair and Jack McDaniel. 
Jean Newmaker herself was also present. For this rebirthing process, Candace found herself swathed in a soft flannel sheet, cocooned by an arrangement of pillows. The intention was to simulate the experience of being inside a womb and traversing through the birth canal. She was instructed to summon every ounce of strength within her to emerge from the symbolic confinement with the belief that it would forge a stronger bond between Candice and her adoptive mother. However, the path to healing turned into a heart-wrenching ordeal. To their utter dismay, the four adults combining their weight to a staggering 673 pounds employed their hands and feet as instruments of resistance against Candace's desperate struggle for escape. They exerted force upon her head, chest, and her frail 70-pound body. Candace, at first, was doing her role and listened to instructions on how to do exactly what she was supposed to going through the event properly. However, it quickly turned into a fight for her life as she was being suffocated slowly. Amidst her cries for help and gasps for air, Candace's pleas fell on deaf ears at the adults callously pressed on. Throughout the excruciating session, Candace's voice trembled with anguish as she uttered the haunted words, quote, I'm dying no less than eleven times total. But instead of offering help or compassion, Julie Ponder, devoid of empathy, callously goaded Candace to, quote, die right now for real. Candace persevered, enduring the unimaginable, her cries reverberating through the room, her body now covered with her own vomit and urine from the struggles. Yet those who were there to protect her, there for her to rely on, showed no mercy in the process. As the session reached the 40-minute mark, Candace, weakened, was asked if she desired to be born. In a barely audible voice, she mustered the strength to mutter a feeble, No. Unbeknownst to her, this simple and single word would be her last, forever etched in the transcript of the audio recorded during this event. Julie Ponder's response was nothing short of heartless. She hurled demeaning accusations of being a, quote, quitter to Candace. The weight of everything bore down upon Jean Newmaker as she stood back witnessing the horrific event that was happening to her now adoptive daughter. And to shield Candace from her, Jean was asked to leave the room. With her gone, it was officially no longer about Candace being reborn to her adoptive mother. It was much darker now 
and for some reason, almost personal. Five minutes of conversation passed between the two therapists before finally they decided to unwrap the now completely still flannel shroud that had entrapped Candace. As the sheets fell away, a chilling silence descended upon the chamber. Candace laid motionless, her fingertips and lips tinged with an eerie shade of blue, devoid completely of life. Carnell callously remarked, quote, Oh, there she is. She's sleeping in her vomit. A cruel tone and disregard for the life they just stole. Witnessing Candace's lifeless state on a monitor in another room, Jean Newmaker, overwhelmed with grief, rushed into the chamber. Horror consumed her as she took Candace into her arms, and panicking, she began performing CPR while Connell dialed 911. As precious minutes ticked by, paramedics arrived ten minutes later. In a desperate attempt to explain Candace's condition, it was stated that Candace had been left alone for five minutes during the rebirthing session and had stopped breathing. Although the paramedics managed to restore Candace's pulse, her battle for life had already exacted an irreparable toll. Candace was urgently transported via helicopter to a hospital in Denver, but tragically, the next day, on April 19th, she was declared brain dead as a result of asphyxiation. Every agonizing moment of that fatal session, along with 10 hours of footage from the previous day, had been meticulously captured on video as part of Connell Watkins' routine documentation. These chilling recordings serve as damning evidence during the subsequent trial. A year would elapse, and finally the day would arrive that those responsible for this heinous act would walk into the courtroom. Cornell Watkins and Julie Ponder, the architects of the fatal therapy session, stood before the court, charged with reckless child abuse resulting in death. The gavel would fall, sealing their fate with a total of 16 years prison sentence to them each. Meanwhile, the therapeutic foster parents, Britta St. Clair and Jack McDaniel, acknowledged their role in the unfolding tragedy and opted for a plea bargain. Their guilty pleas were entered for criminally negligent child abuse, resulting in a sentence of 10 years probation and a demanding 1,000 hours of community service. Yet still, it does not seem near enough. Jean Newmaker, Candace's adoptive mother, who had yearned for a brighter future with her daughter, found herself entangled in the legal ramifications of the case. As a nurse practitioner, 
her actions and omissions were subject to scrutiny. Confronted with the charges of neglect and abuse, Jean also chose to plead guilty, acknowledging her shortcomings in the care for her daughter. The sentence handed down was a four-year suspended term. Eventually, as those four years drew to a close, the charges were expunged from Jean's record, offering her a chance to rebuild her life. In response to this absolutely heartbreaking case, legislation known as, quote, Candace's Law was swiftly enacted in both Colorado and North Carolina. This crucial legislation aimed to outlaw dangerous reenactments of the birth experience, ensuring that no other child would suffer the fate similar to Candace's. The impact of her story reached far and wide, extending beyond the state's borders in a remarkable display of unity. Both the U.S. House representatives and the Senate passed resolutions urging other states to take similar actions. The legacy of Candace Newmaker endured, a beacon of hope for future generations, as lawmakers across the nation recognized the need for change and protection of vulnerable children. Just like Candace Newmaker. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowl and Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowl and Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at bowlandbranch.com. Code Buttery. Exclusions apply. See site for details.